Blog Talk Radio. Give me the flats of dawn with plenty of tailing fish and the perfect fly rod yeah. and get ready for some magic. Awesome Join Bonefish and Tarpon Trust nice fish. and help make sure that the magic never ends. Visit tarbone.org to find out how you can help. What is going on, everybody? It is another edition of Kayak Fishing Radio. I am your host, Charles Levi, also known as Redfish Chuck. Should be joined here shortly by my illustrious co-host, Captain Alex Grigsby, possibly even by James Page from Atlanta. It's Wednesday, pump day. It's not our typical night to do a show day. We don't really have a typical night anymore. I don't know that I even want to do that. I think I'm just going to do kind of a random night. Pick a random night. If I'm not up to it, doing it on a Tuesday, eh, we'll do it on a Wednesday. Try and give you guys some more notice before the uh, before doing the show. This way here you can tune in and uh, get involved if you'd like to. Speaking of such, feel free to give us a call at any time using the phone number of 714-816-4727. 7148164727 and we're going to be discussing randomness fishing and other ramblings anything that you guys feel like talking about fishing related not fishing related doesn't really make a difference let's just talk <clears throat> part of what i think we're going to be doing as far as uh changing up a few things around here to make things a little more interesting um not always the doom and gloom not always the woe is us type situation that we seem to always be dealing with. And with that being said, look at who's joining us. Hang on a second. I got to find you something good. Ladies and gentlemen, she joining likes to us do from the wild thing on the north side. <laughs> there you go. Joining us from the north side, representing up in Atlanta, Mr. James Page. How are you, sir? What's up? It's uh, What's up? 48 hours, man. Something like that. Yeah. Less than 48 hours. Yeah. Well, what am I saying? For you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that at all. Looking forward no. to it. I'm actually sitting here at the vice. I got I got a hook in the vice, and I have somewhat of tires block at the moment. I was thinking about trying to whip up a couple of gurglers or something like that, some sort of a little topwater pattern that 
maybe we can throw in and entice some fish to smash, but I don't know. Not a bad idea. Make sure they're big enough. Well, I mean, everybody that I always talk to when I get ready to go somewhere to, to fish, they always give me, like, advice on hook size and all this kind of thing. And then I get there, mm-hmm. and I find that the hook size that I, that I brought with me was adequate, and I didn't need to go nearly as big. See, right now I'm tying on a size one, but these are these are the um, Gamagatsu SL11-3H, which are the saltwater 3X strong hooks. They're very similar to like a 3407DT from Mustad, right. but but three, but three X strong. So they they've got a good long shank, and they've got a pretty decent gap in them. Um, right. If our target species are in the five to twenty five pound class, I believe that these hooks will suffice. Right. I mean, a one. A, if, you said, did you say a one O or number one? A number one. Okay. For this particular pattern, anyways. I mean, I've got some, I've tied some stuff up on some one O's and big, meaty one O's. Like the, what hook was this? The uh, SL12S from Gamagatsu, which was one O. I tied a bunch of flies on that. That's a good hook. It's a big, strong hook. Got a nice gap to it, so. But I mean, anything bigger than like even a two o. If I go to a two o, then I'm not. I feel like I'm not gonna. I don't know. I just feel like it's too big. Like if we get into nothing but a bunch of slot fish, I don't really need a two o. You know what I mean? Exactly. I would agree with that. Something like that, anyways. Well, so never what's up, to have man? A variety of new and ex- Yeah, you got uh, a variety well, of stuff. I'm, my clothes are packed. My clothes are packed. Clothes are packed. What's my um, my rods and reels are packed. Good. And all I have to do, I think I want to tie tonight maybe a couple of flies that I'm out of. You should tie some of those little um, black and purple clousers, not having anything to do for the trip. But um, for me to be able to steal from you and take home for baby tarpon, and you just dropped your call, your phone service sucks. <laughs> but so anyway, um, yeah, we're getting ready to go to um, Louisiana to do some fishing. And I've never, I personally have never been to Louisiana to fish. He's back. What I was saying is you should um, tie up some of those little black and purple clousers you like to bring down here for tarpon fishing, not for our trip, more so so that I can steal them and take them home. I have to, I have to ponder about it. You know, we'll be down there at Christmas. I can just bring you some then. That'll work. <laughs> so, That'll work. I, don't, I wouldn't plan on bringing anything really small, like a number eight or number six or number four. Everything I have is number two to two oh. Is where everything I'm bringing. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. And uh, 
my my clothes are packed ish. I've got uh I've got two shirts I gotta still put in the in the bag but uh and then my rod, my ten weight is packed and my uh ten weight reel is packed. Both of them freshly cleaned, lined, freshly dressed, and uh fly boxes awaiting a few more treats and then that'll be that. Yep. I gotta call our guides tomorrow night, see what's going on. I got the uh, yeah. location for the launch um uh, the Sunday morning the guy we're going with, I got the launch location from him, but I haven't heard from the guy Saturday where he he wants to meet us to launch at. Hmm. So Well Exactly. I'm sure we'll get it dialed up. I'm sure we'll get it figured out. Yep. As much as the positive as he wanted, he needs to give us some information. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so uh, what else is new and exciting in your world? Anything else going on? No. Got a fly to New Jersey this month. I still haven't heard about the South Africa project. Um, it's torrential downpour in Atlanta right now, so I didn't get to fish any. I think I still remember how to fish. I, I think I vaguely remember that. Um That's about it, man. Just getting ready for the trip. Did a bunch of chores yeah. again last week. The last few weekends have been all chores. Oh, <clears throat> so I talked to the wife about going to the Bahamas in yeah. September. She's right. all in. So we got to start working on that. September. 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 That's cool. when you said your buddy's opening up a little bit. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Yep, that would be cool. Um, Focus. You broke up. Are you tying? No, I move. I put the bobbin down. I'm just. That's my problem. Is like I want to tie while doing the show, but I feel like sometimes I get kind of locked into what I'm doing with the on the vice and. You know, you can hear the manamana, manamana, coming out of my like ears through my brain while I'm tying stuff. I don't. It's weird. You know, I don't. I, I've I've tied around people before who can just hold conversation and tie and just you know in and out of conversations and listening and can and can multitask. And I'm not that person. I can admit yeah. it. I'm, I am. I am not the multitasking kind. Like if. If we're trying to get something accomplished, you give me a task, I am golden. But you give me multiple tasks and tell me to space those out throughout the day, I've, uh, I'm not a good person for that. I've never been. And it's, it's I, I don't know if I have ADHD or, or whatever, but I'm just saying that that's just not one of my strong suits. What is one of my strong suits? What is one of my strong suits, however, is running a damn boat. I'll tell you that. I know this is Kayak Fishing Radio, and as you guys know, I don't really care. I'm going to talk about skiffs as well and micro skiffs in general and then uh, sups too. But, um, dude, I ran the right water the other day with the new motor on it, and wow, I was happy. (laughs) I was happy. You know what it reminds me of? 
It reminds me of uh, like riding a, like a Honda Ruckus, like a little like a little um, goped type situation, right? Like mm-hmm. no matter it, every almost everybody's been on a, a little motorbike of some kind, correct? I mean, you have like probably, I would imagine. Yeah. Like moped. Yeah, like a moped. That is exactly well. It, well, kind of. So this, it's not quite like that because you want your friends to get you because, of course, it's freaking awesome. But uh, you get that stupid, dopey smile. Like when you're riding a moped, like you just get this stupid, giddy smile. You try to hold it back no matter how hard you think you, you're doing a good job. It's just not good enough. People can tell. That's That's kind of how I feel when I'm running that boat because it's like it's so much fun, but it's at the end of the day, it's really kind of silly. Like, it's a twelve, it's a little twelve foot technical pulling skiff that, you know, is just a blast to to run. And look, it's it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. You know, evolution. Come, thank you, sir. I do appreciate that. Evolution comes. Which is not a badass motorbike. A moped is not a Ducati. The WW the WR12 is like badass. Well, and you know, I I really, gosh, I just want I want people to have an opportunity to just check it out, check it out with an open mind, and see what you think. It's not going to be for everybody. Not everyone's going to want a little twelve foot micro skiff, but you know, it's it it's just fun. So I'm not going to go into too much with about the the Rightwater 12 because I just don't want to run off the our, our main base, which is obviously kayak angling, but um, it, basically it's like this. So those of you who have been listening to my podcast for any length of time know that I, I obviously love kayak fishing. I've been doing it for a long time. I've, I've kayak fished out of just about every platform up into like the last year's new model. And uh, I like all of them for different reasons. I, I've honestly, there's only one kayak here I've ever paddled that I didn't. I just truly hated. Like just this, I will never, ever, ever own one of these. And it doesn't matter now because the company no longer exists, so it's no big deal. But um, and that's probably why. But not because I didn't like them, just because they honestly they suck. But um, this project with the Rightwater has been in the workings kind of for the better part of literally nine years. Like I can tell you almost to the day nine years ago when my buddy John Glasser comes rolling into the handler fishing supply um, parking lot, which coincidentally I was do I think I was just starting to do the show back then too. Um, but anyway, uh, and we started talking about this little 14-foot skiff that he had, that he built. And it was kind of a cool concept, like a kind of a cool little design, you know what I mean? It was more of a true skiff than even what the, the right water is. The right water is, like a, is almost like a mixture between a um, – it's almost like a mixture between a big paddleboard and – a skiff 
not in the sense that it's shaped like a paddleboard or that truly you'd even want to paddle it. The height off the water, you've only got a 12-inch gunnel on this boat. So it's it's not, you know, you're not dealing with a, a high-sided skiff or, you know, like a traditional high-sided micro skiff. You're dealing with something that, that sits much closer to the water. Um, but the whole idea came about because, honestly, nobody wants to paddle 20-some-odd miles in a day. I mean, if you want to do that, then you're a different animal than I am. I don't, I've done plenty of 20-mile days. I prefer not to have to do that. The cool thing about kayaks and what really got me into kayak fishing was not because I, I wanted to host a podcast or write articles or any of that kind of stuff or do seminars or nothing like that. I, I got into kayaking because it was an easier way for me to be able to get to places that I wanted to fish than having to have a boat, right? And that's probably the reason why most people got into kayak fishing is because, A, they didn't want the expense of a boat, but also, too, there might have been some places they wanted to fish that they just couldn't get a boat to. So we talked about wanting to do something on this scale for a long time. It just never really came to fruition because we had so many different ideas. And then a, a little while ago, um, well, about I guess two years ago or so, John and I got back together talking and kind of kicked it around once or twice. And the next thing I know, I'm getting a phone call. We go down and check out this cool concept that him and uh, Doug Wright from uh, perform- was it? Performance. Damn, I don't remember the name of this company. That sucks. Anyway, um they those guys kind of came up with this with you know the beginnings of the ideas of what was what was going to take place and started to work on some milling of some of some uh of some hull designs and such and so or of the hull design and I got to get in like right in the very very beginning on this build and throwing in a little bit of uh of of my i guess experience from being on the water in in different kinds of crafts to create something, to help to create something of our own, which, you know, I've, I've been able, I've been fortunate and blessed enough to be able to do something like this before in the kayak industry, being a part of a, a couple different teams, having answered questions about, you know, hey, what do you think about this or that kind of stuff, you know, just give your information or whatever. And it's cool to see some of the things that you, you think of come to fruition. I've done the same thing with rods. Um, I've had, I've given input to several different rod manufacturers and then seeing the results of the input given produced. And that's, that's a really cool feeling. This is no different. In fact, if anything, this is even more so on that level because of the fact that, um, it is a, uh, what's up, Bob Bell, Bob Bell's in the chat room. Um, it's like, it's like watching your it's like watching your kids grow up when you when you're so passionate about something like this and you put so much time and energy into it it's it's literally like watching your kids grow up i understand why people chase that i understand why people love to design like people who love to design things or build things or construct things architects and so forth i get it why it's like they, they can't 
turn off that mindset of, of building things. I'm not saying I'm building the next great thing. I'm just saying that, you know, watching it come to life is just, there's no feeling like it. You know, the goal was to build a, 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 a micro skiff that could be pulled like a normal skiff that would run like a normal skiff and be dry like a great skiff and be stable enough for two people to fish off it, including a fly angler. Also being light enough for two people to be able to pick it up and put it in the bed of a pickup truck. How much does it weigh, Chuck? The one, the, my demo boat, before we put uh, gas, gas in the gas tank and hung the motor on the back was just under two, or just right around 200 pounds. Nice. So, I mean, one guy on one side of the boat. Right. Sir? That's with a 15 four-stroke. No, that's without the motor on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's without the motor on it. Right right about 200 pounds. It's heavy in the sense that it's not – well, it's heavy, I guess, if you – if you try to compare it to a kayak, other than like a Hobie Pro Angler 14 or 17 TC. And that's what I was used to being in, was being in uh, those big boats. And so the weight to me, there's no pro- I have no problem with it. You, and it. And you can't even tell that it weighs that much because it balances well. When you pick it up from the sides, like if me and you got on, you got on one side, I got on the other side, and we picked it up and toted it out of the back of a truck. You just feel like you're on either end of a PA fourteen. Really, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like two hundred pounds. You know what I mean? I think I lost. I think I lost them again. Can you hear me? Hold on, just kind of ramble. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we put a 15-horse four-stroke on it. It runs mid-20s with two people in it, no problem. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's honestly just a really, really fun little boat. And uh, there you go. So... Couple cool things going on here locally. We've got uh, this weekend. We got the RCI tournament uh, going on, which is a invitational tournament, uh, invitation only. I'm bummed, kind of, that I'm going to miss it, but at the same time, I'm going to Louisiana with James, so that's cool. Um, those guys are going to have a great time, though. I've been watching and seeing what kind of stuff they're raffling off and everything else, and it's it's actually pretty incredible. The, um, what else is new? There's something else. I saw. Oh, I saw, uh, who was it? I forget if it was Native. No, not Native. It's, uh, the Ocean Boat, the, or the, uh, Old Town Boat, the big one. What the heck's the name of that thing? Topwater or something like that? a video of that thing in the water and it actually looks pretty nice. Anybody who has any <clears throat> information regarding that boat, feel free to give us a shout. Uh, I'd like to hear a little bit about it and see what you think about it. 
if you're affiliated with them, you're you're welcome to call as well. Don't think that just because you're pro staff, I'm not going to let you call me. It's all good. Phone number is uh, 714-816-4727. Feel free to give us a shout. James, did I lose you or what? I think, you know, I think I'm muted. Bob Bell, can you still hear me, buddy? There's a chat room there. There's always a delay. Anyway, uh, so local news, Titusville, the wonderful city of Titusville, had another uh, sewage leak recently. Yes, oh, was it Sunday? Uh, you know, no big, no big whoop. Only uh, 840,000 gallons or 870,000 gallons or so. I think it's interesting that they know how much sewage leaked. Like, how how do they how do they know? that it's even anywhere near that number or it's not exceeding that number. I don't know how they, how you can gauge how much sewage you lost through a sewage pipe. Oh yeah, Bob's got me. Anyway, so that's awesome. You know, I mean, like, let's just go ahead and pour some more, uh, let's pour some more human waste into the Indian River lagoon system since after all it's a lagoon, not a river, so the water doesn't really go anywhere. Therefore, the waste just kind of hangs out and floats around until it decomposes a little bit and sinks to the bottom and then becomes muck, and then you have what we have now. Listen, folks, you've been listening to me long enough to know that I am extremely passionate, as is Captain Alex, as is James, about uh, our local waters and estuaries and so forth. And I know I get on my tirades and my, my soapbox a bit, when it comes to talking about these types of topics, but in reality, I think that there needs to be more press. There needs to be a much larger uh, audience to, to, to see what we're dealing with down here than just the social media aspect of things. I think national news needs to pick up on it. I think global news needs to pick up on it. What we are, what we are experiencing here in Florida is nothing short of a complete and utter collapse of an of of literally a, a paradise paradise everybody wants to move to florida so when you retire you want to move down here when you when when you think about a place where where could you move to that you can fish 365 days out of the year freshwater saltwater offshore everything in 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 one state everybody would say florida Everybody would say Florida because it was it, it used to be the fishing capital of the world, you know. And here we sit, here we sit, 2018, and we have all known and loved and cherished is completely gone. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I don't care. I don't. I don't need to sugarcoat it. I think that at the end of the day, it's uh, it's extremely important for us to look at ourselves and take some responsibility as well as to the status and, and the state of your local waters, my local waters. If you got if you got a, a pollution problem 
at your local reservoir, whether or not you're a bass fisherman and you fish big lakes, whatever, or if you're a coastal junkie like myself, if you have water quality issues, Jesus, that's a, that was a loud thunder right there. Anyways, um, you have to look at yourself and, and ask yourself if you're part of the problem. You know, if you fertilize your grass, you're probably part of the problem. If you uh, change your oil in your driveway and, and you're not super careful with it, you're probably part of the problem. If you mow your grass and just let your lawn clippings blow down the street, probably part of the problem. You know, if you're if you're a litter bug, you don't put your, your trash away, you don't recycle, you don't, you know, take care of your junk, you're for sure part of the problem. I'm not saying that I'm a saint, and I'm not saying that I ain't guilty. But I, I since since I have been educated on what is truly going on with our estuary systems, and I understand that whatever it is that I do can directly affect the river, I don't fertilize. I don't need to. St. Augustine grass, all it requires is water. And lately, I haven't had to do any of that. God's been doing that for us. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's just, it's hard to describe. I've tried. Alex and I have both tried to describe what it feels like to uh, watch this place just literally collapse. And I don't really have. I don't really have a kind way of describing it. It's. It's. Honestly, it's one of the most depressing things I think that I've ever dealt with in a long, as far as a long period. A long time, like it, it, it doesn't go away. It's just getting worse. You know, I'm getting ready to go to uh, Flagler County next week on Tuesday to do a seminar for the Flagler County Sport Fishing Club. One of my favorite um, groups to speak to. Always have a great time there. And you know what my topic is? One of my topics is destination fishing travel fishing you know why because I can't talk about Bavard County fisheries anymore I cannot discuss I can't tell you how awesome our fishing is because it's it's not what it was it, there's still fish I get it there's still some fish around I get it but that's not my point my point is, is that at one time I lived on what was considered to be one of the most ecologically diverse estuary systems on the planet on the planet and I've watched it collapse I've watched it fall to pieces and it's not getting any better it's only going to get worse it's only going to get worse and listen if you live in around Brevard County and you're paying the extra half cent sales tax so that we can try and resurrect the river Please understand that Rome wasn't built in a day. You can't undo 60-plus years of pollution in six months. doesn't matter how much money you have. Be realistic with your ideas of your goals and what you wish you see in the river. 
the scientists that I've spoken to have all said if we see a difference in 10 years' time, we would be lucky. The only reason why I have a little bit of faith in, in, in the fact that we may one day see something of what we once had is because I know that there are people that are working diligently night and day to try and figure this problem out. And they're trying to rectify the situation. But again, Rome wasn't built in a day, and you can't resurrect a dead ecosystem in just a matter of a couple of days. It just doesn't happen, or months, or years. It takes a long time. So... To take a big swig of water, fresh, clean water. I, uh, the deal. That's what's up. That's what's going on here. That's what's going on down south. That's what's going on on the west coast. We have Okeechobee water being poured out of both sides of the state. We've got water that's been diverted from going through the Everglades system, which is killing the Everglades. We have red tide, like hasn't been seen in centuries over on the West Coast right now, literally killing everything in its path. The entire state of Florida, with the exception of maybe Jacksonville, maybe even St. Augustine, and uh, the Panhandle and the Keys, are under attack. I know, Kayak Fishing Radio should be talking about catching fish and happy-go-luckiness and all this kind of stuff. But in reality, it's just, it's just hard. It's hard, to be, it's hard to always be so super positive about your local fishery when it, it, every, it seems like every other week we get a slap in the face with something else being poured into the river. You know, and, and I like to describe it as simply as this. If you were to live on a retention pond and behind your house said retention pond has lily pads and cattails and hydrilla and you know other aquatic plants that are necessary for everything from mosquito fish fry to um, bullhead wow. minnows and catfish and everything else, you back? Yeah, I'm back. I had a book that would have all, all. I get you. So that that would have. Uh, that would have all those different creatures in it because of the aquatic grasses, right? Well, now all of a sudden you get a bunch of yuppies moving into your neighborhood and they decide, hey, guess what? I don't want to look at cattails and lily pads and hydrilla. I want to look at just clear water. I mean, not clear water, but just water. Like, I don't even care what color it is, just water. I don't want to see plants. I want to see water. And so then the guy in the little Carolina skiff, you know, boat with the spray nozzle goes around and sprays all the plants and kills everything off. And next thing you know, they're pitching grass carp in there because they think they're pretty or like giant koi or whatever. And what do you have now? Now you have a mud puddle. Now you live on a mud puddle. You no longer live on a pristine little retention pond that's full of, you know, bluegill and bass and catfish and gar and whatever else. Now you live in a mud puddle or live next to a mud puddle because you've allowed for somebody to come in and poison your water to the point to where aquatic vegetation will not grow. Thus, there not being any filtration whatsoever from the crap you dump all over your your yard 
and your neighbor dumps all over their yard and the neighbor next to them dumps in their yard because they want to have the greenest grass in the neighborhood, now you have a cesspool. Give it 10 years. You'll probably want to cover it up. No different than the, than the Indian River Lagoon situation. South of us, west of us, north of us, they all have a tidal influence into all their estuaries. We don't. Our water doesn't go anywhere. So essentially, it is a giant retention pond. So after 50, 60 years of nonstop uh, polluting and dumping and, and, and uh, overfishing and overharvesting and mismanagement, now we're sitting here literally on our very own mud puddle. And I laugh because I can't help but laugh because I just there's the next thing for me to do is just scream and start smashing things because I'm I, it's it's literally like it's literally killing me like a little bit at a time it just it just kills my soul a little bit at a time to see it and for those of you who have never seen it in its and it wasn't even in its prime but when I saw it as a young boy um, back in the early nineties. Um, to what it has become now, it's just it's it's mind blowing, mind blowing. What pisses me off probably more than anything is that you've got a handful of people that are self promoters that that don't talk about it. They don't talk about the issues. People who have a lot of followers that just they they don't ever talk about it ever, ever. And and you're like, why would you not want to? Why would you not want to share that with your followers? Why would you not want to share that with the people that listen to you, that follow along with you, to educate them on what's going on in your area, so that if they start to see the warning signs in their area, they can maybe pump the brakes a little bit and stop a complete destruction of an of an of an uh, environment. What say you? I tell you what, really bothers me is someone posted a video of a manatee floating belly up and two other manatees nuzzling, pushing that manatee. And mm. I don't know if one of them was you know, the baby or they're just, you know, part of the um, that manatee's herd. But to me, a fish is not a higher order mammal. A fish has got, you know, the brain the size of a pencil eraser. So I don't feel bad harvesting a fish and put it in my belly, but I'm not going to go kill a manatee and eat a manatee. I just, higher order animals, you know, they, uh, to me, you know, they feel pain. I don't think a fish feels pain. I've seen fish with half their body away by a dolphin and a shark healed up and swimming around feeding. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I don't think pain, I've seen fish get damaged so badly that if we got damaged that badly, we would die. So I, my sympathy doesn't run to fish. Fish are to be hooked and eaten and caught and released and all that good stuff. But a higher-order animal, like my pet dogs or manatees or wolves, I don't, I don't understand that to me. And when you see something, I guess needless death is what bothers me. You know, things in nature eat each other. That's what they do, and that's part of nature, and that's the food chain, and that's acceptable. But needless death like watching a beaver getting run over by a car or watching a car hit a duck just needless like preventable stuff that bothers me you know and to have mm-hmm. massive dial 
from pollution, that bothers me. Because all this is preventable if, you know, if people really cared. But everyone's so busy. Yep. You know? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, things like that bother me. Julio in the chat room. What's up, buddy? Um, you know, there's a lot of yeah. And I'm not going to chain myself to a tree. I, I have cut down trees in my backyard that have been popped by lightning and split by wind. I'm not one of those kind of weirdos. But, you know, we had one of our uh, one of the people in our neighborhood, their dog got hit at night. And so, you know, me and my wife would come back from dinner. So I pull over and rush over to the check on the dog. You know, they had a collar. The dog obviously passed shortly after he got hit. But, you know, people were just driving by the dog. And you could tell the dog was still alive, moving, trying to move. So, you know, we pulled over, run over, got the number from the tag, called the people, and, you know, they pulled up while we were on the phone with them. They said, yeah, the dog got out and was all kind of blind at night. But no one stopped. And I'm like, you know, that's someone's pet. You know what Well, I mean? you know, the, 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 the difference, honestly, is compassion. There, the, the, the human, normal human nature is to have compassion. Unfortunately, our, our, the way that, I wouldn't say all of us, but the way that some people have evolved mentally because of all the stimuli I feel that come from devices like, like iPhones and not just iPhones, but smartphones and uh, the Internet and, and such, you, you lose it. People lose it. Listen, I, when, when, when you're a deputy sheriff or when you're a cop or when you're a firefighter or when you're in the military and stuff, all those types of things, if you've been in combat or you've been in situations that the, the average person, the sheep, if you will, have never encountered, it all desensitizes you. Like you just – that's how you cope, right? But this is like right. the reversal of that. This is like the, this is like the – polar opposite of what leads people to normally, you know, laugh about horrible things or ignore horrible things just to kind of get by throughout the day. It's the opposite. It's in their face. They just don't want to accept it. It's in their face, but they just can't be bothered with it right now. You know what I mean? Until, and I've been saying it for years, wait until the manatees start dying. Once the manatees start dying, people will start to pay attention. And what has happened over the course of the last couple of weeks on the West Coast is, is, is anything but a, a disaster, a full-bore, human-created disaster of epic proportions, epic proportions. It's so bad down south right now that Florida Sportsman Magazine closed their doors to their headquarters and are temporarily working out of a different location because the the blue-green algae is so bad behind their building that it's literally making the employees sick. Take that, America. Take that, world. Listen, we're heard in 30-plus countries around the world. I want every one of you who listen in those different parts of the world to understand this. We, as human beings, are without a doubt destroying this planet. I'm not a tree-hugging hippie. I'm not a radical. I'm like you, James. I'm not going to go chain myself to a tree. But at the end of the day, 
I understand that what we as human beings are doing, consuming, and using, we are destroying the thing that gives us life. <laughs> we are destroying the things that give us life. You, take a guess. You probably would know the answer right off the top of your head. Take a guess as to the percentage of oxygen that is created by the world's oceans. I don't know. How much? It's like 65%. Rainforest and woods make up the rest. It's, it's insane. And we are destroying it. <laughs> so what's going to happen for future generations? What are we leaving our children? As I always hashtag, like, what is your legacy? What's your legacy? Like, what do you want to see change? Like real change. Not like, oh, well, we're going to talk about it. We're going to add a half cent sales tax. Like, no. What are you going to do as a human being to take responsibility for the things that are going on on, our, on and around yourself on this big blue rock we live on? Because that's the only way we're ever going to see a change. That's the only way we're ever going to see something turn around. And I don't think it's – honest to God – hate to say it, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think I don't we're going to see a difference. Um, I, don't think, I don't think I'll ever see crystal clear water in the, in the Indian River Lagoon that has beautiful green grass flats beneath it with ungodly amount crabs and horseshoe crabs and seahorses and pipefish and bottlenose dolphins and, and redfish and snook and tarpon and trout and everything else that lives within the system. We will never, ever, ever, ever see it like we saw it when I was a kid or when the generation before me saw it when redfish were considered trash. We will yeah. never see that ever again here. I'll uh, tell we, you another we, thing. It bothers me. It bottlenose often, even though I've had many of them steal my fish. It still bothers me to see them to see them float belly up, dead from pollution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing too is this isn't corporate America doing all this. This is too many homes on septic tanks, too many out of date sewer systems, too many people moving into too small of an area. This is uncontrolled development on Barrier Islands that probably should have never been developed on. And that's the entire East Coast. Because I can tell you, when I go to Delaware, there's places in Delaware, you drive down the road, you look on one side, you see the Atlantic, you look on the other side, and I'm talking about three blocks and you're in the Atlantic, and two blocks you're in a bay. That's not meant to have buildings and septic tanks on. It's just a little spit of sand. No, you mean you like know what I mean? Uh, that's not a basically holiday one a of Vard County? Yeah, you know, those are people building homes. And the people who cut down mangroves to build a seawall, in the same place where I grew up, people who get rid of natural marsh to put up seawalls and riprap, and then they can't figure out why everything washes away because of the big, you know, 6 to 12-foot tides. That seawall's not going to hold, and that riprap, that's not going to hold, not compared to 100 foot of marsh grass, Right. So, or two marsh grass. It's just a whole lot of stupid. Well, the problem truly is, is that we live on a freaking sandbar here in Florida, and that's really all that it is is a giant sandbar. And if you don't believe me, go ahead and run a run a uh, drill yourself a well. 
and let me know what you find yep. when you get down about 25 feet. You're going to find beach sand and clamshells and all kinds of crap that you would expect to see at the beach because this was all underwater at one time. It's not That's meant right. to have the population that we have. It's not meant to have the, the agricultural lands that we have. It's not meant to – it was never created to be able to sustain the kind of agricultural activity that takes place on it. There's no place for the stuff to go. There's no place for the pollution to go but down into the freaking aquifer. It's sand. It's dirt and sand. It's all that Florida is just dirt and sand. So as soon as you spill a cup of water outside, it is gone. It is not hanging out. It's not filtering through rocks. It is gone. Into the soil it goes, into the sediment, and then it makes its way on down to wherever eventually it's sucked up into enough dirt. But if we get a steady rainfall, guess what? Give you, here, here's a little something to think about. We've still got Julio and Bob Bell in the chat room. They're, those guys are locals to us. So has anybody else noticed how high the St. John's River is right now? I mean, you wouldn't know, James, because you're in Atlanta. But the St. John's River right now is almost at critical mass level. And we haven't even had a tropical depression. We haven't even had a tropical depression, and the water is crazy high right now. So what's What's going to happen if we – I wish I could tell you. It's not like we've had monsoons every single day. We haven't. We haven't had an extremely wet year this year. So I don't know. I have no idea. What was was blocked off? What was – opened up what was, you know, turned into something that it wasn't supposed to be, just like the way that the Army Corps engineers have changed all the natural flow in the state. I saw I saw a video from a meeting on the West Coast where somebody from the Army Corps engineers said, and I will quote, we are asked all the time as to why we send the water out the sides of the state. The answer is we don't have anywhere else to send it. That's what they said. That's what the Army Corps of Engineers said at a meeting that was recorded and posted all over social media. Yeah, you do have another option. It's called south, into yep. the river of grass, into the glades, into where it was originally supposed to go. Now the glades are drying up and they're dying. Everything out there is dying. Why? Greed. That's why. Why? Money. That's why. Why? Sugarcane. That's one big reason why. I mean, it's common sense. Listen, there's one person, in, in my opinion, and take it for whatever it's worth, and listen, I'm not trying to preach to nobody. I'm no, I'm not high. Trust me, I am no preacher. But there's one person or one being, if you believe in, if you have a religious belief, that created everything. plan and action, blah, 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 whatever. Forever the water has run through the glades. Forever the water from Okeechobee watershed has gone down through the glades. Forever. And then all of a sudden somebody thought it would be a good idea to divert the water from going south to going out to either side of the coastline. And then that's when the, the major part of the water quality issues in South Florida on the East Coast and on the West Coast has started to take place. 
Of course, they already had some issues because of, again, development and everything else like that. But when you started to see the major blue-green algae blooms and all that kind of nastiness and the big giant fish kills and all that kind of stuff and the collapse of ecosystems down in the south end of the state on both coasts, that's why. There's no doubt that's why. That's why Florida Bay is, is falling apart because the water that once ran through the glades and out into Florida Bay is now is now no longer there. It's no longer a thing. It's, it doesn't come down the way that it once did. So you don't have this flow of fresh nutrient-rich water that's coming through uh, or, or lack of nutrient-rich water that's coming through and, and feeding the seagrasses and pushing the, the, uh, the sediment around and doing what it did for millions and millions of years. You know, there's another thing they did in Florida, too. I was watching a special on the Everglades Restoration. North of Okeechobee up to Kim, Kissimmee, that used to yep. be a very winding uh, natural river, a lot of S-curves, a lot of winding. They made it a straight-shot canal. So all the natural aeration and filtration and capacity was reduced. So now you've got more water running from Orlando, Kissimmee, which is just a big bowl in the middle of the state. They get torrential rains. Instead of it having a nice natural winding river that would hold more capacity, filtrate and aerate the water more, it's more of a straight canal dumping into Okeechobee. Yeah. So you've got well, you, you got all the way up from Orlando and all that agriculture and all that rain, you lost all that filtration and holding capacity and aeration, and now it's all running into Okeechobee, and then they divert it instead of running it south through the Everglades where it should be run. So it's even worse than just coming out of Okeechobee and not going to the Glades anymore. They screwed up the oh, entire yeah. thing. The entire state, the Corps of Engineers screwed up the entire state. If you if you take a drive, yeah. That's all if you to. take a drive through Bavard, if you take a drive through Bavard County, and you pay any kind of attention as to where the storm water would go, rainwater would go. It doesn't take a, a a wizard to realize that almost all of it goes straight to the river. They can tell you that it goes out to to containment locations and it goes out to, for filtration and all this kind of it doesn't do any of that crap every storm drain in Bavard County for the most part makes its way to the river in some form or fashion the water just does that's just the way that it is water will find a way just like when you're building boats or you're building kayaks or you're, you know, you're thinking about building a, a, a reel or whatever if you're trying to make it waterproof, water will find a way. So no matter if it's a dump, no matter if it's a release, no matter if it's, you know, any of those things, runoff, just standard runoff, it's going to find a way to the river. And it always does. Look, after Irma, they dumped over 100 million gallons of raw sewage into the lagoon, into the river, because they had no other place to put it. Again, one of those. We don't have any more room. We're at capacity. So rather than having human waste and stuff back up in the homes, we're going to dump it into the lagoon system. Why don't they do what New York, New York City does, which is put it on a train and send it to the middle of Alabama to be buried and turned into whatever? Did you hear that story? Well, here's the, No, so I haven't heard that story. But New York City produces so much poop 
that when it gets to a certain level of decomposition, they put it on a bunch of tanker uh, tankers on a train, you know, the tanker trains. They fill a whole mm-hmm. train line of tanker trains, we didn't call them, and they fill up full of the poop. Well, it got down to Alabama this year, and there had been some changes, and the town that one usually took it said they're not going to take it. So it got stuck in another town, so the people in another town had to smell poop for a couple of months and because um, the poop train was just sitting there on the edge of their town in the Alabama heat. The poop train. The poop train from New York City. So why don't we take some poop out of that area and ship it to, you know, Arizona or somewhere? Yeah, well... All I know is that Florida's full. We don't have any more vacancies. So stay home. Don't come down here. Dying, you don't want to see that anyway. It's a mess. I don't know. It's such a mess. It's such a mess. It's such a mess to where, like, I don't even, like, I don't even know. I, I honestly don't even know. I wish that I could snap my finger. Excuse me. I wish I could snap my finger and make it better, but that's not going to happen, obviously. And um, it's heartbreaking. It really, truly makes you consider whether or not you want to stay around and raise your kids in the environment. I mean, that's real. I mean, I'm just... I'm just being honest there. It's just, it's it's definitely, it weighs heavy on me. It weighs heavy on me. Do I want to, do I want to raise my kids in a, in a region where they, they can't enjoy the outdoors that worry of getting some crazy bacterial infection? And to think that people still eat seafood from the river blows my mind. I don't know how or what you folks are thinking if you're listening to this and you do that you're gross like you're gross like i i I can't do it there's nothing that swims in that river that sounds edible to me right now (laughs) not after having all of this all the issues that we have not only to mention that but Give the fish a flipping chance. If the damn thing is still living right now in the river, it's one of the strong ones. Don't take it out. We need them for future stocks if something should ever change, which probably won't happen and whatever. But I'm just saying, how can you you read a news story about almost a million gallons of sewage making it into the river and then go catch something from said river and then consume it and feed it to your family and your children. Like that is disgusting. It doesn't even make sense. Not there's literally nothing about that that makes any sense to me whatsoever. Nothing. Everybody, yeah, everybody tall. online bickering. Everybody online bickering about whose fishing poles better, whose rods better, reels better, lines better, kayaks better. Blah 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 blah. Meanwhile, people are arguing about straws and shit. We're sitting over here with with literally 
a collapsing state. <laughs> like the whole state. I'm telling you, I want to, I, I'm actually seriously considering doing this. I'm actually seriously considering starting a, an ad campaign, crowdfunded, of course, because Lord knows I can't make that happen. And get a billboard at the Florida-Georgia border on I-95, and get a billboard outside of all of the major all the major airports here in the state, and plaster the dead manatees, the dead sea turtles, the dead fish, the dead this, the dead that, the green water, the blue water, not the blue as in it's pretty, the blue green algae blue water, the Indian River water, you know, plaster that everywhere you want change listen you want change i'll tell you how to get change you start affecting people's pockets that's how you get change if it's out of sight out of mind i don't use it i don't care no one's going to change anything but you stop the influx of tourists from going to the beaches, from going to the intercoastals, from coming into the state thinking they're going to go fish and catch their dreams or whatever, their bucket list fish and all that kind of stuff. You deter people from coming to the state of Florida, which will have a domino effect on the economy. And guess what? You will see some change. You will see people starting to make decisions up in Tallahassee that could, that could directly affect where the water goes down in Okeechobee. You could see that overnight. You would see people getting fined. You would see people going to prison. I'm telling you, the world revolves around money. It has nothing to do with anything else anymore. Forget it. There are, there, the government doesn't give a flying flip about you, me, or anybody else. When you really get down to it, it's all about the almighty dollar. Look at, look at Flint. Kidding me? Have you ever questioned whether or not the government cares? Look at Flint. They're still on bottled water in Flint. Yeah, they still haven't fixed the problems over there. There's still these are human beings that are being poisoned by their own tap water. That is still a problem. How? We can land a rocket. We could send a rocket into outer space and land that son of a gun back down on the freaking launch pad, but we can't solve water issues? I'm telling you, people, Chuck's got a GED education. You know, I got a, I got a, a law enforcement certificate. That's it. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, I'm not a marine biologist. I'm I, no kind of formal training in any of this garbage. It's called common sense. I posted up Just a thing about Rick time. Scott was here. I posted a picture. It said Rick Scott was here, and it's like the like Florida covered in, in garbage. And someone's like, the problem has been going on long before we even knew who he was. No, you were 100% correct. But my question is, what did the guy do the entire time that he was in office to help to change anything, anything? What did he do with the stroke of a pen and a call to his buddy Trump? What has he done to change anything about the, where the water goes? Nothing. Nothing. The water continues to go out the west and the east coast. 
It doesn't go south out of, out of, out of uh, the glades anymore. We've already established that in this conversation. So, again, what has he done? Nothing. Why do we need him in Congress? We don't. Think about that, folks. When you go to vote, voting season's coming. When you go to vote, forget about party affiliations. Forget about all that crap. We, we seriously have to figure out whether or not we have people in office that are worth voting for or people that are running for seats that are worth voting for that, that may, let's, get, let's be real, they're all politicians. We all know what politicians are all about. They're just like, just like lawyers, right? Like, eh, you need them around, but can you really trust them? Like, there's not, there's not, there's not a lot of, I don't have any, really any faith in anybody that's trying to seek a public, a public position uh, that's going to give them a retirement after they're done serving their, quote-unquote, uh, four years of, of service, which never turns out to be four years of service. It ends up becoming like a lifetime of corruption and everything else, and you guys know how that story plays out, so I'm not going to get into it. I'm just I'm not trying to get crazy political. I'm just being real. I'm just being real. I haven't heard one person talk about Florida's water issues that's running for governor. I haven't heard one person talk about Florida's water issues that's running for Senate seat. I haven't heard it. Didn't hear it during the, during the president's visit yesterday over to Tampa. I didn't hear it. Didn't hear him. Nobody, nobody in that whole crowd that got up on stage and spoke, none of them talked about Florida's water issues. How can you not? How can you not address it? Hit, take the bull by the horns and just be like, look, yeah, we screwed up. The whole state's dying. We need to fix it. Oh, we got the president here. Let's convince him to stroke us a check for a couple billion so that we can start to work on the infrastructure issues because I don't know if the sun just melts everybody's brains, but apparently for some reason we think that pipes are going to outlast us. We think that a man-made system is going to be able to be generational or multi-generational, when in reality it needs to be checked, checks and balances. needs to make sure that, look it, you buy a house, right? could be a brand-new house, could be a fixer-upper, but you buy a brand-new house. At some point in, that, in, in your existence in that home, your plumbing is going to be jacked up. It might be hairballs. Might be food stuck down in the disposal. Might be a busted pipe. Might be a backup from the septic or from the sewer system. Could be any host of things. It happens. It happens. It's no different than the than the public the 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 uh, the, the, the septic tanks in the sewer systems that the general public sees breaking, spewing human waste into the river. They all need to be updated. They all need to have, you know, they're going to have failures. They need to get fixed. But when they get fixed, they need to get fixed right. I could, I could post a, a myriad of pictures of all these different blowouts that I've received in private messenger of human waste making its way into the river. That's nice. You know? And I'm probably I'm probably honestly going to be losing a few people listening to the program because of my rants. But listen, at the end of the day, if you if you if you if you find what I'm saying annoying, 
feel free to send me a message and tell me, Chuck, we don't want to hear doom and gloom about your area. Get over it. Like, talk about fishing in other places. And I don't mind doing it. I'll do that. I don't care. But I'm going to bring it up. <laughs> it's going to get brought up at some point in the conversation or at some point in the evening. It'll get brought up. Just like, again, going back to the, the next week's seminar. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to tell them straight up how our water is here because it's a couple hours north of where I live. I'm going to tell them what's going on here, the goods, the bads, the uglies. We'll talk a little bit about techniques in which you can find some fish in the summertime up in their region. And then we're going to talk about destination fishing because, honestly, that's, that's what most people who live here in the state now are looking forward to is going and traveling and fishing and seeing other places because they don't right. want to see this anymore. So we'll talk about the Bahamas. We'll talk about Panama. We'll talk about Louisiana because I'll, I'll be fresh off that trip. We're going to talk about those types of things because, you know, as an angler, don't you want to go and see what it could be like? Don't you want to go and experience a place that's still, for the most part, untouched? Like, you can literally, as kids, we always joked around about time machines and stuff. You know, I wish I had a time machine. I'd go back in time and, you know, do whatever, whatever it was. You can literally, that's like a literal thing. So you want to see what the oceans looked like back before we started screwing them all up? Go down to Panama. There's less, there was less trash on the beaches of Panama than there are at Cocoa Beach on a Tuesday. And I was down there in Panama for a week. There was less trash, like human trash. There was, there was driftwood everywhere, but there was less human trash Along, just like in the Bahamas, is the same way. There was some human trash, but it floats in off the ocean. It kind of happens, but it was still less trash there than there was than there is here in the middle of the week on a Wednesday on the beach. Right. You can step off a plane, get in a taxi, take a ride to a lodge or to a resort, or just to a hotel and walk out front and see what what we should be seeing every single day in our own backyard. And the cost of doing so, nowhere near what you might would think. Nowhere near what you might would think. So that's, that's my plan for my conversation with the fine folks at the uh, Flagler County Sport Fishing Club. Looking forward to it. That is Tuesday night at the um, uh, what, what club is it? The Elk Club or no the Elks? Oh man, I'll put I'll post, I'll post it up on my Facebook page. I'll put a I'll put a link up to the banner or whatever for the for the thing. VFW, it's the VFW in uh, Flagler County, right off ninety five. I think right. it starts at like 7.30 or something like that. I think I start talking at 8. Usually they let me start talking around 8 o'clock, I think, and I go until they literally start turning lights off and stuff. <laughs> the last couple of times I've been up there to talk with that group, they, they literally, like, it's a small group of folks will kind of stick around and we'll just sit there and, and chit-chat for 
you know, another 45 minutes or so after the seminar is over with. It's just a really good group of folks. But, you know, we'll talk about those things, and we're going to talk, of course, about the Rightwater 12. I'll have the demo with me up there, so if any of you guys listening to the program live in the Jacksonville area or the Flagler County area and you want to come down and check out the boat, feel free to do so. Uh, I'll have my buddy John Glasser along with me, so... Um, if you have any technical questions about the actual build and that kind of thing, he'll he'll be your guy for that for sure. Um, I'll do my best to answer questions as well. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns about the show, feel free to let me know. Hit me up uh, or Alex or heck, you can even bother James if you want to. I'll throw James out there. <laughs> really? No. Don't contact James. Just contact me or contact Alex. Let us know what your what your thoughts are. I'm gonna. <clears throat> I promise that next week we will not be discussing piss poor quality water issues. Um, we will probably well we're not gonna probably we will be discussing the Louisiana trip. We'll be recapping the RCI tournament with Captain Alex. He'll be fishing it, and. Uh, Where's that terminal at? Yeah, we'll terminal at. Uh, so, RC, okay, here's my plug for RCI for tonight. RCI Optics. I am on their 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 team elite or whatever it is. That they're, I'm on their team, right? And I, I don't even like to call it that because it's not like that. I support RCI Optics not because I'm on their freaking team. I support RCI Optics because the guys that own the company are legit. The guys that own the company are local. The guys that own the company come from a background of sunglass sales, and they saw the issues they always had with different manufacturers. And in my opinion, they have solved those issues. Dude, I have a pair of power plants that today – took a dive off my head down onto the concrete floor below at work from the second story. So if it were any other pair of glasses that I've ever owned in the past, they'd have been shattered in a million pieces. I get down, I run downstairs, I grab them, I look at them, I blow the lenses off. There's not a scratch one on the lenses. One of the, uh, the left part of the frame it has a little small scratch on it, so I just took some real fine sandpaper, kind of knocked off the burr, and they're fine. They are, in my opinion, one of the best lenses I've ever looked through. I have very light eyes here in Florida. That sun kills me. It gives me a migraine if I forget my sunglasses. I have to have sunglasses on 24 hours a day outside in the sun. Not 24 hours a day. Obviously, the sun's not up that long, but... For 12 hours out of the day, I need to have sunglasses on if I'm outside. And I chose I chose RCI, Opti- RCI Optics because they are, in my opinion, again, the best. And not only are they, the, but the guys, again, are the best. And here's why. So every, for, this will be the second year now they've hosted their tournament. The tournament is held at the Florida Beer Company, the guys that make uh, Swamp Ape and all that kind of stuff. Florida Lager. Um, the, the guys from RCI, out of their own pocket, put up money for the tournament. They put up prizes for the tournament. They gather up prizes for the tournament. 
and they put on an invitation only tournament to support those who support them, to give the guys who have helped to promote their brand and everything else an opportunity to fish a fun tournament with some great prizes, great prize money, all, all just because they love the guys who, who have helped them out. I've never seen any other manufacturer of any kind of an uh, eyewear host their own tournament for the people who like really represent their brand. So I think that's pretty damn cool. Maybe I'm a little biased because I'm a part of all that, but I just think it's pretty damn cool. So if you get an opportunity to jump online, check out rcioptics.com. They don't have a whole lot of frame choices. They don't have like 500 frames to choose from. They don't need 500 frames for you to choose from. They also pay homage to our local area as in the names of their, of their lenses. So, or I mean the names of their frames, just like the power plant is named after the power plant. that's here in Port St. John, um, second light monster hole, uh, play Linda's. So, you know, they, they're local right coast independent is what RCI stands for. Um, yeah, hit them up. Tell them that we sent you from Kayak Fishing Radio. There you go. That'd be good. But no, they're just great people. So, yeah, so the tournament's going to be held over. The, the actual captain's meeting and everything is over at the Florida Beer Company. And um, the tournament's in the river. Um, you're not allowed to fish the inlets, so you got to fish inside the, the river system. Uh, catch, photo, release, of course. Redfish, trout, and snook. There you go. And there's usually a cow. Last year there was a cow cutter for trout, and Alex and I missed it by, uh, I think, like two inches or something like that. We had a 28 and a quarter inch trout, and we got beat out by a 30 incher. So. Is Alex going to be able to survive with you and Louisiana instead of fishing the tournament with him? Yeah, he's got uh, he's got Logan. His son's going to fish with him. Oh, awesome. So, yeah. So, I mean. He's in good hands. Logan's in good hands, obviously. But uh, Logan's a hell of a fisherman. You know, and that's the other thing, too, tonight, folks. Listen, uh, take your kids fishing. Take your kids boating. Even if you don't think they might like it, you think that, ah, that he's not really the fishing type or she's not really the fishing type. Just take them. When I ran that boat the other day, I put Logan in the front of the boat. I was concerned because I didn't know how he would react to the motor noise. I didn't know how he would react to the vibration of the boat. I just didn't know. He has some sensory issues. So I just, you know, but he said he wanted to go. So I put him in a boat and he did a phenomenal job in the boat. I kept asking him, you okay, buddy, you doing good. And he kept throwing a big thumbs up to me laughing and, and just enjoying life. Those are memories that that child will hold for the rest of his life. Those are memories that I will hold for the rest of my life. And if you're a parent listening to the show, take the kid fishing. Take your kids outdoors. Get them outside. If the area in which you live in is polluted and nasty, go for a road trip. Go find a place. Go find a spring. Go find a ditch. Go find a creek. Go find something. Go out in the woods. Just take a walk down a trail. Like, Get your kids outdoors. Get your kids in the outdoors and off of the mobile devices. Get your kids away from the video games and the movies and the music and the bull crap that clouds their minds and makes their judgment 
completely and utterly irrational at times. When I was a kid, you couldn't you couldn't get me to come inside. Like dinner was the only thing that would bring me in the house, and that was only if my dad cooked sauce, like or my mom made a meatloaf. Truth be told, but so but that's it. I mean, other than that, I, if I wasn't at school, I was outside. I was fishing. I was exploring in the woods. I was just I was an outside kid, and it kept me out of a lot of trouble. When I was a kid, you weren't allowed inside. You got outside till it was time for dinner, and then you got back outside till the streetlights came on. That's right. You know, and that was the way it was for me. My mom, I remember my mom yelling down the down the retention pond in Vieira. She could she could holler, and her voice would carry and would echo. And I could hear her like two retention ponds over, hollering for me for dinner. And I come riding my bike with my backpack and with bass rods and stuff. And ride back to the house and, and you know, enjoy enjoy dinner with the family and then go right back out to fishing. You know, we were That's talking, right. uh, there there was, um, somebody was talking about radio programs on, on I think it was kayak bass, bass fishing, uh, kayak bass fishing on Facebook. We're talking about podcasts and fishing related, po- bass fishing related podcasts. Listen, Andrew Mixon is a great friend of mine. Uh, consider him like family. He uh, he 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 posted my name up and, and talked about kayak fishing radio. And you know we don't talk a lot about bass fishing. We don't, and that, that's something that's going to change because I have a feeling I'm going to start doing a bit more of it, um, more so out of necessity than anything else. But um, you know. When it when it comes to when it comes to discussing bass fishing, I'm old school. I'm an old school bass fisherman. Meaning, give me a bag of crawdad colored culprit worms and eight inch, a couple bullet weights and some weedless hooks, and give me some finesse fish jerk shads or or splayer ink SSTs or SSBs or STBs and turn me loose in a pond or in a lake or whatever, reservoir, whatever. And I'll go do some work on some bass. But that's the same thing I've been, I I threw when I was 10 years old, nine years old, eight years old. That's the same thing I threw for bass when I was a little kid. It's the same thing I would throw today. So, you know, I don't talk a lot about bass fishing on the program because I don't know. I've never fished a whopper plopper. (laughs) I've never fished any of these crazy contraptions, these ridiculous umbrella rigs and stuff I see people fishing with now for bass. Like, never in a million years would I ever have thought of fishing, you know, with that kind of stuff. And then, like, the question comes up, how many rods do you take with you when you go fishing? And I see guys who fish from kayaks that are like, I take eight rods. Eight rods. Eight rods. When... When I bass fished Teddy, I had I had a rod. One. It was a it was a quantum BASS edition bait caster, low profile bait caster, on some kind of a cheap custom rod that my, my buddy Steve bought me the combo from a pawn shop. And that was like my favorite bass combo that I that I ever owned. But I fished everything on it. I threw worms on it. I threw uh, spinner baits on it. I threw topwaters on it. I threw everything on it. Caught my largest redfish of my entire life on that rod. 
So I don't. I I have a hard time. I think talking about bass fishing too because I just I don't I don't I'm not into it as much as a bass guy is into it. You know what I mean? Bass fish guys who target bass. That is like the holy grail to a bass fisherman is a you know just giant bass. And I've caught giant bass growing up in those in those retention ponds in the era and century where they used to be cattle ponds and no one ever fished them. And now all of a sudden here's this worm coming by my face. Yeah, I'm going to eat it. I've never seen it before. And, and I've caught 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 pound bass. No exaggeration. Bass so big I could fit both my fists down their throat. I got big hands. But it was all in the same crap. <laughs> it was literally all in the same garbage. Like, and trust so, me, listening on he does have big hands. I will, I will try, I will try and sprinkle some more bass fishing talk into the show. I think the fly stuff will obviously translate pretty well to it. But you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to talk to you about pitching. Uh, pig and jigs with 65 pound braid on a seven, on like a seven and a half to eight foot stick that's like a 30 pound class rod because I don't fish like that for bass. And real bass fishermen fish like that, and that's cool. That's your thing. That's what you do. I I I respect it. But I've been asked a couple of times through Messenger and everything else as as to why we don't discuss freshwater fishing more. And uh, I may, I don't know if the guys are going to hit me up, but I may um, be on the Extreme uh, podcast with Joe Hector um, and Fred York on tomorrow. And if I do, that's one of the things they want me to talk about, some bass fishing stuff. And I, I'm, and I told them, I'm like, I'm old school, man. I, don't fall, I didn't fall for all the gimmicks and all the things, and, which is not true not true because I still have banjo minnows. <laughs> I still have flying fishermen, the, the flying fish lures. And I still have the helicopter lure somewhere. Like totally sucker for infomercials at, at 11 o'clock at night trying to sell me fishing lures. But I'm not going to lie. Banjo minnow is legit. <laughs> if you haven't fished a banjo minnow, you can't knock it. It is legit. I have literally, I bet you I have caught just about every inshore game fish and freshwater game fish that Florida has to offer on a banjo minnow. Just about every one of them. I don't know. This guy already did a whole whole, uh, video on fishing for tarpon on kayaks and snook with banjo minnows. Oh, they work great. They look like a minnow. They're, they're, they're genetically programmed to eat it. They have to bite it. Remember the infomercial? Hey, funny story. So like the fishing system. Six or, yeah, so like six or seven years ago, I was at a Henry's Big Rock show, which is Henry's is, a, is one of the largest uh, distrib, dis, distributors of fishing tackle in the country. Um, they, they carry everybody's stuff. But I was at one of their shows, and the guy from uh, the Banjo Minnow was there in, a, in the booth for the Banjo Minnow. And I, like, totally had this moment where it was like, 
kind of starstruck by the old crusty guy from the Banjo Minnow. The thing worked. Worked. It was genius marketing because he had these little, you know, little spring things you 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 screw into the nose of the bait, and then you hook it around the actual shank of the hook so that the bait is independent of the hook. But when a fish would jump and shake its head like a tarpon, it would inevitably shake that lure loose. And the lure would fly off, but you'd still be stuck to the fish on the hook. So you had to replace the thing all the time. But you only get so many of those little screws, and you only get so many baits. So you had to buy a whole other kit, and you didn't sell them like in a pack like you buy Slayer Inks or you buy anybody else's stuff. You had to buy a whole kit. It was genius marketing. But it worked. It was it was probably one of the only infomercial lures that I bought that immediately caught fish. Like I caught fish on the flying lure. took a little while to figure it out, but I caught fish on it. Um, not as many as the banjo minnow. But you know that's the kind of angler that I am. I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I'm not. Listen, I will never spend more than ten dollars on a lure. Nope, <laughs> not gonna happen. I am not your guy. I am sorry, not you know, fifty cents, sixty cents, maybe <laughs> a couple dollars for a pack of plastics. Yeah, I'm. I'm good with. That. I'll be your huckleberry, but I'm not gonna be. I'm not going to go out and buy a $25 hard bait to throw into an area that I have a pretty good feeling it's not going to come back. That's why I tie fly. I mean, I tie flies because I can I can cheaply make something to try and fool a fish with it. And if if it breaks off and it's gone, eh, I got you know six more just like it in this box. And combined uh-huh. with the material and the hooks, it didn't cost what it cost to buy one hard bait. So, I don't know. Like I said, I'll try and talk a little bit more freshwater stuff, bass stuff, whatever. It'll probably, honestly, it'll probably be more like peacock stuff than, <laughs> than largemouth. But, no, I'll try and talk more largemouth stuff. And uh, I know Alex won't be too pumped on that. He's not. Uh, excuse me, he's uh, big on bass fishing, but, um, yeah, we'll see what we can do. He's not much into the green trout. Not much into the ditch pickles. Nope. Ditch And I found out, too, that bass fishermen don't like it when you call bass ditch pickles. I don't, listen, I've never had a problem catching a bass. Never, ever ever had a problem catching a bass. I can always, I can almost always, if I could see it, if I could see the fish, almost guarantee that I'll catch them. Like, you need, you need to come to North Georgia and try that theory out. Well, I mean, here in Florida anyway, our bass are stupid because the water's hot. That's my excuse. But, you know, just because, I, listen, from from the time that I was, uh, I was riding bikes around neighborhood ponds catching fish till I was, you know, fishing the Lake Washington, St. John's River, and all that kind of stuff, catching fish. It just it 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 wasn't it wasn't a, a, a major challenge to go out and catch bass. It just wasn't a, a big thing. And and then again, having caught a bunch of really big ones, eh, you go to some of these these you know 
reservoirs and stuff, and the fish aren't that big, and it, it, to me, it's not fun. I want to pull yeah. on a I want to pull on a bucket mouth. I want to pull on an eight eight to ten pound fish. Like that's the size bass I I would, would love to target all the time. I mean that's I guess really in in reality every bass fisherman is targeting an, an eight to ten twelve fifteen pound bass. They just buy catch or just smaller ones. No one goes out and says, "Hey, I think I'm gonna catch a bunch of little ones today." I, I wouldn't think. But, yeah, uh, a know. bass over. Four, a bass over four pounds, you know, four pounds and up, is a different creature than a bass under four pounds. Yeah, of course. That's what a lot of people realize. They go catch a little one-pound bass. They're like, eh, well, a one-pound and two-pound bass is not the same creature as a bass that's, you know, six, eight, ten, twelve on up. They're totally different creatures, my opinion. The freshwater, freshwater groupers. Yep. The way it's going down there, y'all might have to do a lot of bass fishing the way it's going. Yeah. I mean, well, like I mean, I don't know, man. They got uh, St. John's is so high right now. The fish are so scattered. The fishing's got to suck. I can't imagine the fishing's good. And now yeah. that everybody and their brother knows about the stick marsh, that, that place is, I mean, it'll always be decent, but it's, that's not what it once was either. I don't know if anything was so, what it once was. Yeah, I know. Well, the world changes, things happen, but anyway. All right, folks. I think I'm about talked out for the night. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, feel free to uh, let us know. Um, if you didn't like what you heard, feel free to let us know, too. Um I take all criticism, uh, and, I, and I, you know, try to implement changes if I can and make things a little bit better. I want you guys to enjoy what you're listening to and sitting down. Two, you can download the podcast for free. And if you just now tuned in, you're catching the show late or whatever, and you want to hear the beginning, uh, you can always download the episodes and share it with your friends, too. Other than that, sir, I'm going to see you on Saturday. Saturday morning, bright and early. Bright and early, ready to fish. That's right. So I'll call our friends out there tomorrow night, make sure we have everything lined up, and we should be good. Cool. Sounds like a plan. Folks, again, as I said before, take – what's that? Don't eat for the rest of the week. Save your calories (laughs) from around Louisiana. Yeah, I gotcha. Challenge accepted. Um, folks, as I said before, take your take your kids fishing. If you got neighborhood kids that are kind of like family to you, whatever, take them fishing. Introduce kids to the outdoors. It's very very important. Uh, the the next generation of outdoors men and women both have to um, really respect and love the outdoors. We need them to help us to hopefully continue on with whatever it is we're able to pull off to try and save what we have left here for them. Makes sense? Didn't really make a lot of sense to me, but we're going to go with it. Um, Wear your PFDs when applicable, and, again, comments, questions, concerns, hit me up on social media. Hope you guys all have a great night. James, thanks for tuning in, bro. Thanks for helping me out and being there to chit-chat. 
No problem. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. We'll try and do a shit. Well, when am I coming back? I got the seminar Wednesday, next Wednesday, 8 o'clock Eastern. See you.